You're listening to the Feral Ministries podcast. Today, I had the honor of talking with Justin Best from the online sensation Bullet Holes in the Bible. Justin is a former Christian evangelist turned agnostic who first gained online attention through his popular YouTube channel, Christian Truthers. Since deconstructing, he uses counter-apologetics and psychoeducation to support those recovering from religious abuse. Hearing his story kept me on the edge of my seat, and because he's so qualified, I forced him to play my new, hottest game, F. Mary Kill Theology Edition. Stick around. Hi, Justin. Hey, Emily. <laughs> We've already up? said hi, but um, <laughs> hi again for the recording. Um, thanks again for coming on. I have been so excited to talk to you. Um, I've known you for, I guess, maybe like a little bit over a month now. You came up on my For You page on TikTok a while ago. And ever since then, I've just been obsessed with your content because you're just such an interesting and compelling person. And you just you just know your shit. So at this point in the podcast, I will have already done a um, introduction of all of your stuff. But I, if you want to just kind of briefly describe like I don't know what your mission is. Your bullet holes in the Bible on TikTok right now, mm-hmm. and you were a Christian evangelist. Mm-hmm. So how the fuck did we get here? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. Yeah. So uh, like you said, I I started off on TikTok. It's actually been about two months now, and uh, it's been very much more supportive than YouTube has been for me traditionally. So oh, interesting. That honestly ties into kind of uh, how I got here, and so after. I was in the Marine Corps for 13 years from 2002 to 2015. And while I was in, I, I managed to get most of my bachelor's degree finished um, for free while I was in. <clears throat> and then when I got out, I had enough uh, benefit left over to go and finish my bachelor's and master's degree of business. And then I actually still had more benefit left over. So I went and did a master's of human resources and somewhere around, well, actually I know it was, it was early 2017 I was, and if, uh, by the way, we'll, maybe we'll talk about this more in a minute, but I was born and raised Christian and I was, I took that Christianity very, very seriously, um, mm-hmm. all the way into my mid twenties. But then I went through a few years where I didn't take it as seriously, uh, just cause I was more interested in work and travel and school and stuff like that. But when, uh, in 2017, which was about, I guess that's five years ago now. Wow. I, uh, I got very convicted. Actually, I was dealing with uh, some sleep paralysis issues. I was dealing with some personal, uh, like relationship issues with my parents, which now I recognize it as being uh, narcissistic abuse issues. At the time, mm. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at the time, I didn't know what it was, what it was, or how to label it. I just knew that my my entire life upbringing with my parents was always just like this, this power battle or something. To me, it wasn't, yeah. but to them, it seemed to be. You know. That's such a relatable issue. I feel like I'm constantly seeing stuff like that on TikTok too. Like I'm on, mm-hmm. I'm on narc TikTok, narc talk, where yeah. it's just talking about like the effects of narcissistic abuse. It's it's so crazy. But sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, I think I really think that one of the first places deconstructing Christians should stop off is in the narcissistic abuse recovery sphere of study and knowledge and TikTok or YouTube because. I don't think many, very many people understand just how prevalent narcissistic abuse is in Christianity and it's perpetuated by, it and, and of course, Christianity supports it as well, but that's something we can get into mm. 
but uh, I was kind of going through some, you know, existential crisis of sorts and um, decided that it was time for me to really take my faith more seriously again. I, I assumed in the beginning that the Bible was still literally true and still the word of God and all this stuff, because that's how I was raised. And so when Christians hit rock bottom, they tend to run to the Bible for support and for counseling, you know, Christian counselors and all this stuff. And so that's, that's what I did as well. And that led into me, um, kind of falling down a lot of different rabbit holes. This was in the height of sort of like the conspiracy theory theory era of YouTube, where there was just an unlimited number of rabbit holes to fall into and study and, and research. Yeah. And at the time, the more I did that, um, the more it seemed that people were using the Bible and biblical literature and biblical history to support their hypotheses and their conspiracies and things. Yeah. And so for me at the time, that that meant that the Bible had even more credibility than I gave it credit for in the past. Oh, so the conspiracy theories were a driving force for your belief. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Big, big time. Yeah. Interesting. So that's what we, like I said, through a lot of rabbit holes, maybe we can get into it, but... Uh, so in 2017, on August, uh, I started a channel on YouTube called Christian Truthers. And the purpose of Christian Truthers was essentially for me to try and dig out uh, using the tools of research that I had acquired through the years to dig out the Greek and Hebrew and even Latin in some cases, original meanings and contexts of what the Bible was saying, specifically in the New Testament. And, uh, and it started off with just little videos like what, what is faith or faith is a verb and, and just videos like that where I was showing in context how the word faith was used in the Greek throughout the New Testament. So were you just studying this stuff like on your own? You were self-studied or were you taking classes or anything? No, I didn't. I wasn't taking any classes. It was all self-study. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean my, uh, I began to really build a big library. I've shared some of it with, with TikTok, but, um, I read a lot of different books. So I was raised in, uh, sort of a Baptist mindset, but then into high school, we transitioned into a Calvinist or Presbyterian mindset. And so I studied Presbyterianism for the longest time, probably 10 plus years. And that includes the history of the Presbyterian church, the history of, um, John Calvin, its founder and, and, of course, the Presbyterian theologies and how those apply and things like that. So mm-hmm. when I jumped back into this hyper-religious faith, I, I, I guess I would have said I was like on fire for Christ at the time. I got really yeah. z- zealous about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of started from that perspective, but it, then it began to shift. So the more I studied what the Bible was saying, the more I realized that it doesn't exactly perfectly match up with uh, the Presbyterian ideas that I had kind of assumed were true, but it also didn't perfectly match up with a lot of the different denominational ideas that I had heard were true, even about Baptists and things like that. So mm. I started studying to try and understand what is it that's breaking these denominations apart? You know, what's why is it that uh, Presbyterians and Baptists don't get along and things like that? Sure. And digging into free will and predestination and sort of these really core fundamental doctrines, the Trinity and, and things like yeah. that. And so I just kept, uh, I kept making more and more documentaries. I made documentaries about the prosperity doctrine and the, um, mm-hmm. the divine healing groups and the, how that actually is a placebo effect. So it's interesting because although I was covering Christian topics, 
I was finding myself, um, the more I researched and published, the more I kind of pushed myself away from mainstream Christian dogma and into like this own, this new, like I kind of created my own little denomination on accident, if that makes sense. Okay. How did you like reconcile that, that the first sort of hint of doubt, like that cognitive dissonance, were you just in utter panic mode when that started to set in? Or did you sort of embrace it initially? Cause I know it took a long time for me to even accept to myself that I was having doubts. I I, want to say that it was probably easier for me than most people. And I know this because, you know, at this point I've done like hundreds of counselings, marriage counselings. I've read thousands of emails and helped and replied to them. And I've tried to, you know, help people as much as I can with the, these various Christian issues I experience. And one of them is, you know, cognitive dissonance. And I can't say that I'm immune to cognitive dissonance. Certainly I've, I've hit that wall before. I remember being in a comment section when I first started and getting into this big fight with uh, some Pentecostal pastor on you on Facebook. Through We've the comments all been section. there. We have all yeah. been there. <laughs> so embarrassing looking back, you know? And um, I, I, I argued with him um, thinking myself to be right. And within a couple of days, you know, the things he was saying and the points he was making were just weighed and weighed and weighed on me. And so within a couple of days, I was looking at my wife and saying, he, he's right. I was totally freaking wrong about this, you wow. know, and I don't know what it is, but there's something about um, not necessarily uh, being proven wrong in itself that makes me happy, but about having my, um, my perception shift that's addicting to me. I don't know why I really like it. And I, I think that's something some people hate about me. And so I, yeah, it sounds like even when you were like in the church, like heavily indoctrinated, you were still finding ways to introduce those paradigm shifts, like mm-hmm. even within the church. So I mm-hmm. guess, did that make it easier for you to sort of transition out? Yeah, I think so. Because I mean, and this really goes back um, to all the way back to high school where I was sort of publicly ostracized and publicly criticized and condemned uh, because of a, a thing that happened with me uh, and my girlfriend. And I'll just go ahead and explain it real quick. But essentially, I was going to an all-Christian school. I played an all-Christian basketball team, a Christian youth group. This is high school? Yeah, high school. Yeah. Okay. So this is, 2000 and, this is 2001 when I was a, a junior or, yeah, 2001 or 2000. And um, my entire social circle was literally Covenant Presbyterian Church and Covenant Presbyterian School. And my house was actually just like two blocks from the school. So I literally never even was involved with kids outside of my own little sphere. And this is we're talking like maybe three to four thousand people at this church. So a bunch of families, a lot of kids my own age and stuff. And for for my entire high school experience, uh, all of my friends and my entire social group was this covenant group. I call it the covenant bubble now because mm-hmm. we didn't realize how unexposed we were to reality at the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny. Yeah, some of the stuff you do about uh, on your skits and about talking about like youth group and stuff is so funny to me. It's exactly the same stuff that. I, yeah. Yeah. It's 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 not an original experience. It's funny. I started talking about this stuff, how many there are of us. You grew up in that youth group bubble. And it's like, when you're in the bubble, it's your whole world. And the moment you step out, it's like, oh shit, (laughs) what is happening? Exactly, man. 
So when I was a senior and my ex-wife now was a junior, we started having a secret relationship where she asked her dad, who was the headmaster of the school, and he was also an associate pastor of the church. So very oh, influential God. guy. <laughs> <laughs> so you were her, you were playing with fire from the beginning <laughs> yeah yeah i guess so i you know and, and that i'm not going to go too far into this but that goes even farther back to me just i was rebellious against my dad from a very young age because he tried to kill me several times and so be, from that i kind of learned to yeah yeah god i'm so, so sorry i think narcissistic <laughs> abuse is starting to make sense now <laughs> yeah so I, I disassociated from trying to be a dad and mom pleaser very young. When I got to high, by the time I got to high school, I was already a, a type of person who was very willing to accept high risk. And I wanted to be a Navy SEAL. And I ended up joining the Marine Corps instead. But, but anyway, so I was fearless in the face of this uh, pastor. And yeah. uh, she, my ex-wife, asked her dad if she could date me. And he told her no, because... I had a history of making out with girls, AKA two girls I kissed during high school. Wow. So since the whole church- What a reputation. I know. I was, I was a little like make out slut, you know? So- <laughs> That should be your new YouTube name. <laughs> yeah. The little make out slut. <laughs> Dangerous stuff, man. <clears throat> so- when uh, Anna asked her dad if she could date me, he was like, hell no, no way. I've already heard that this guy, you know, he's he's uh, he's too physical. He's too brave. He's going to get you in trouble. Um, so the answer is no. So she and I decided not to date literally for six months. And I didn't date anyone else and neither did she. And we just waited and waited. And we just thought, well, maybe if some time goes by, we can sort of talk to her dad again and say, look, you know, he's not completely reckless. Like he, he can go without and he really does care about me as a friend and he's waiting for me to, to uh, get your permission. So we, we kind of put this plan together to, to do this. And so after six months, she wouldn't ask him again. And she laid down her best case, you know, like, look, he's a, uh, he's a good dude. He's just misunderstood and all this stuff. But you guys were secretly dating at this point. Now point, at this point, we're not, we're not. Oh, we're not. oh okay. Yeah. Okay. So he, she asked him again and he said no again. And he told her he would never condone a relationship between her and I ever. So at that point we started sneaking around <laughs> yeah, naturally. So, yeah. She came um, and told me, you know, in tears that her dad said no again. And I, even, I mean, I was even crying too. I was like super upset about it. And then she's just like, well, you know, no one has to know if we hang out. So literally so she proposed the, the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So literally me being the um, ballsy guy that I was, I started sneaking out at night after my parents went to bed, I would pretty much hijack their car. I'd have to drive 20 miles South to where she lived. Cause we moved up North <clears throat> and from about midnight to 4 AM, she and I would hang out, talk, you know, have sex, <laughs> all yeah, kinds yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And we did that for about five months. And, um, eventually we got caught doing that. And it's because well, one night I came home to came back to drop her off at her house and all the lights in the house were on at 4am and they were all waiting for her and looking for yeah. her. So everything got, got found out and exposed. And what they did was they kicked me off of the basketball team. They kicked me out of youth group and same with Anna. They kicked her off of, out of the youth. She was a worship team leader. They yeah. removed her from the worship team, kicked her out of her sports. She was playing volleyball and basketball. She got kicked out of those. Both got removed from the school 
and and uh, we both were also removed from regular church attendance. So I could only go to church on Sunday nights. And um, Anna was not allowed to go to church on Sunday nights because that's when I was allowed to go. So she could only go Sunday mornings, but with her family. Ultimately, the church, uh, and the reason, reason why we, we also didn't really want to go out anyways was because the church wrote a, a letter, an actual typed up, mailed out, physical direct mail piece to every single member of the church, letting them know what Anna and I had done, like letting them know that we slept together and that we're like- it's, to, it's ev- to the members? Every single member in the church, including the kids found out. Everyone and her knew. dad did it? Her dad did. Yeah. Her dad and the past, the head pastor. Yeah. And the elders. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. So the reason I even tell this story is just to tell you that the first time I was publicly ostracized from every single person I know, and it was literally every person I knew at that point was my senior year of high school. And um, so I, at the time, you know, the town, our town has grown since then, but at the time, it was small enough to where you literally couldn't go anywhere without running into people for covenant. Like every time I went anywhere, I ran, went into someone with covenant. And, and when I, I worked at Chick-fil-A, I did landscaping. Of course you did. Yeah. That is so in line with the brand. <laughs> <laughs> Got to man. And I had people at the church and youth group who worked at Chick-fil-A with me and did landscaping with me. And they're all like doing this, like, so they all just turned know. their backs on you so easily. Yeah, except for my like close guy friends, they're all yeah. like, "Oh, dog, you got laid." Oh my yeah, god, yeah, like, you know? are you hitting that? Yeah yeah, 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 you know. But everyone else was, you know, um, they just literally thought that I was just a huge black mark on the community and all this. So, um, which just goes to show the redemptive nature of Christianity, right? The moment <laughs> yeah. someone messes up, we ostracize them and, and <laughs> never talk to them again. That's right. That's right. That's exactly what Jesus taught to do. Yeah. So I just kind of always carried with me this attitude of like, look, if, if, um, you know, if everyone hates me for just being who I am and being myself, then so be it. And I was very, very brave in that way until, until I got into Christian truthers and actually my, my self-esteem and self-worth and my ability to do that stuff started to diminish actually the more I got into Christianity. So it was a yeah. wild ride. And yeah. I know mental health in the church is something that you're really passionate about, um, mm-hmm. or at least that you've talked about some, and um, that that's huge. And I want to talk more about that. We are running out of time, everybody. I'm too cheap to buy the upgraded version of Zoom. So let's take a quick break. I have a game that I've come up with for you, since you are such a smart little theologian slash right. Christian epistemologist. Let's do it. Um, so let's take a quick break, um, and we'll be back. Okay, so this game is called Fuck, Mary Kill Bible Edition or F, Mary Kill, if that makes you more comfortable. Um, so, yeah, just answer, you know, however feels most genuine to you. Okay. And don't overthink it. You and, know, don't overthink yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Rapid fire. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fuck, Mary Kill Moses, David, or Abraham. Also, these are mostly all men because it is the Bible that we're working with. So just know that. Okay. Moses, David, or Abraham. So um, Moses, David, Abraham. I would fuck David, kill Moses, and marry Abraham. Why was that so fast? Abraham is rich. (laughs) David was hot. 
And Moses started this whole problem. So let's fucking hand this ass right now. Totally. Okay. I, I totally respect that. I think I probably would have done the same thing. Actually, I might have wanted to kill David. Mm. I think he's a very unsavory character, but it's been mm. a while. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's got his Fuck problems. Ma- Definitely. Fuck, Mary kill. NSV, King James, the message. <laughs> oh, God. Um, uh, so I'm going to fa- say, um, oh, dang. Kill the know, NIV. Right? Kill the NIV. NIV. Oh, is it NIV or NSV? I have NSV. Oh, did you say NSV? Yeah. <laughs> I think there's oh, a difference. Dang. Now we got problems. Okay. So oh, it's no. KJV. We're going to, we're going to fuck that. All right. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> uh, what was the other one? <laughs> NSV King James and the message. Message. Okay. Yeah. 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 We're going to definitely, um, Oh, damn, these are hard, dude. I don't want to marry either one of these fucking stupid ass translations. <laughs> okay, well, hold on. Let's back up. Why were you so quick to fuck King James version? Because Christians, King James own version Christians are the most insane people I've ever met. Yeah, yeah. So totally. Wanna, so fuck as if them. that's closest to the original version because it's in like old English. Right. Yeah. Because William Shakespeare was such a theologian <laughs> or whatever the hell. Yeah. I don't know. Um Mary um NSB and kill um, the message the message kill the message that's the I like that statement it's just a good statement kill the message totally yeah. yeah yeah I would kill the message too I read I was reading just like comparing because it's been a while when I was in high school I read the message because mm. I think there is something beautiful about it being palatable mm-hmm. but it really does change things like they take a lot of artistic liberties with oh, the yeah. message oh yeah <laughs> Oh yeah. They're like, and Jesus said, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus lulled and said, Hey bro, <laughs> yeah. come sit on my lap. <laughs> come sit on daddy's lap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Fuck Mary Kill, Jonah, the whale, and the entire city of Nineveh. <laughs> okay, I want to fuck Nineveh like sexually because they were okay. sexual people. Other than what? Well, how else would you fuck Nineveh? <laughs> Platonically. Uh yeah. Um None yeah. of this sort of like a friends with benefits situation. Yeah. Actually, damn, maybe I should marry Nineveh. Mm-hmm. Mm. They had it going on. It sounded like a fun, a fun place to be. Yeah. Well, fuck Jonah because I don't want to get in trouble with PETA. And then that's we'll, true. We'll kill the whale. Um, euthanize the whale in a very dignified manner. Yeah. Actually, most of my demographic is PETA. Oh, so I'm glad that you have sex with the whale then. (laughs) Is that better? (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. I'm going to use that as the promo clip. Just you saying I'm going to have sex with a whale. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) Superstardom. (laughs) Okay. Fuck, Mary kill white Jesus, regular Jesus and Santa Claus. Oh, okay. Mary Santa Claus. Fuck regular Jesus, kill white Jesus. Yes, that's the right answer. Thank you. Bingo. Fuck, Mary, kill. Predestination, free will, or the idea that we're all robots being controlled by hundreds of tiny mice. Marry that one. Okay. Um, I forgot the other options already. The the tiny mice thing took me so far. (laughs) Predestination, free will, or the tiny mice. Yeah, okay. Fuck free will, like sexually. 
Okay. Um, kill predestination, please, God, kill it. And then yeah, other one with the tiny mice. Yeah. Can I just ask, like, because you okay, so you were Presbyterian at some point, mm-hmm. and they are all about predestination. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. How can you read the Bible and be like, God is love? Which to me, I guess I'm a little bit abstracted from the situation, but it feels like God is love is sort of the main takeaway, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How can you say that, but then also be in line with, but mm-hmm. he is ordering people to hell? Yeah, yeah. I and mean, that's a great question. So do you want to answer that as if I'm a Presbyterian theologian? I want you to answer it as if I'm like a kindergartner. Okay, so... um <laughs> Dang, that's hard to do, man. <laughs> Everyone deserves to go to hell. And anyone who doesn't is just very, very lucky. And um, we have to really focus in on God's sovereignty, which is what R.C. Sproul and John Piper like to focus on, because mm-hmm. otherwise nothing makes sense. And we have to just trust that God's sovereignty is so great that everything he does is justified, which is still what most Christians believe anyway. So everything God does is justified. And, you know, I, I don't know. That's a really hard one to answer. I would say that um, what one of the arguments I've heard is that, you know, certain people groups have been rebellious through time and the Christian, the, the biblical literature kind of points out these different groups that were not um sort of breeding the way God wanted them to breed and keeping the laws or eating the way they wanted, he wanted them to eat. <clears throat> and so their offspring and offsprings, offsprings are like all condemned permanently to hell, which just doesn't make any sense because in uh, Ezekiel 17, it says that children won't take the punishment of their fathers. So I really don't know how you jump through all those damn hoops. So if I'm hearing you correctly, their uh, ethos, I guess, is because he can. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause that's all that God's sovereignty really means. It's like, right. because he can. Right. Right. You don't understand how dare the, you know, the, the clay question, the potter type bullshit. Yeah. And you then know. on the other end of the spectrum with free will, which feels more congruent with my, I guess, interpretation when I was in Christianity. Same. But if you think, if you think about it now, it's like, okay, so he created you to either bend the knee or go to hell. Mm-hmm. Is that free will? Yeah, it's not. It's really not because we there, there's so many different arguments that are really great arguments against free will or, or rather the biblical version of free will. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have free will, but not because God gave it to us, you know, but yeah, the biblical version of it, um, you know, one of them is that God made you and me the the he gave us the brain we have, the skin we have, the location, time and place we we're born. He gave me the parents I was raised with the schools I went to, and he, choreo- he choreographed and coordinated, or he at least knew ahead of time what these things were going to be. Um, and so one argument against free will is just that, you know, if we are the direct output or the direct result of, you know, the, the puzzle that he essentially orchestrated, then there really is no free will anyways, because even though it might feel like I'm making a decision, it's only a decision that's based on my lack of knowledge or my yeah. brain power. You know, mm-hmm. if, imagine somebody who has, you know, Down syndrome and like what, mm-hmm. how is it fair that they can that person make the same type of intellectual decisions that you or I can? It's, it's debatable. The other, the other argument though, is just like you said, the coercive effect. Like 
if, if you're being held at gunpoint and told to get, you know, give me your money, some Christians will argue that you still have a free choice to be like, no, I'm not. It's just up to you. You're free to make a choice, but you're really, really not. I mean, yeah. if the, if the alternative is death, then you're not really free to make a choice. You're actually right. being forced to make. A yeah. Choice. <laughs> it's like, there's a gun at your head. Of course, you're going to say whatever you need to say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, That's I, so yeah, there's, you know, I don't think that, and I, and I agree with you. If, when I was a Christian, I, the last several years I was in Christianity, I would have, I would have vouched for free will over predestination big time. Yeah. Well, between the two, it feels like there's definitely a lesser of the two evils. <laughs> yeah. Free will yeah. definitely feels a little bit, you know, easier to right. comprehend. Well, especially if you want to, if you want to sell everyone uh, the sin disease, which you have to do before they become a Christian, you have to sell them sin. You have to sell yeah. them that you're a piece of shit. Yeah. That's yeah. like the basis of Christianity. You're a piece of shit. That's number one rule. Yeah. And to do that, I think free will is easier than predestination. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But predestination makes you feel kind of special, you know, because it's it like, does. oh, if I am a Christian, I'm the elite. If you're the elect, that's right. Yeah, yeah. or yeah, the elect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you don't, and you don't ever know if you're the elect until you're yeah. dead. So I bet you are a dangerous person for an apologist to get in like an argument with. Yes. I, I, I yeah. I, I, I think um, people tend to take my kindness for a weakness. And so, I think I'm very approachable and I like that. I'm glad I'm approachable. I like to, I like to have conversations with people, but I do surprise a lot of people who think that they're smart when they find out that I know what they're talking about already. And I already have a different, yeah. you know, but well, I think your kindness makes that even more credible, right? Because you are so. someone who, who they can have a conversation with. I hope so. I really do. Okay. I have two more. I have two sure. more. <clears throat> Fuck, Mary kill Joseph Potiphar Potiphar's wife. Oh man. Well, aren't these good? <laughs> I'm gonna have to fuck Potiphar's wife. <laughs> yeah, naturally. Because Joseph didn't he didn't finish the job, so someone's got to do it. Uh, <laughs> um, let's marry Potiphar because he's rich. Yeah, and uh, let's kill Joseph. Because although I hate his stupid little coat. His stupid. Have you ever seen the musical Joseph yeah. and the Technicolor? Technicolor. Yeah, I love, I love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the ensemble in that in high school. That's a fun play. Oh, really? But yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I did musical theater in high school, um, which is, yeah, I guess where I get my charisma from now. I guess so. um, yeah. But I think I would kill Potiphar, marry Potiphar's wife, mm. and just, and then fuck Joseph. Because in the animated movie, mm. Joseph, who was voiced by Ben Affleck in, in the then the you know you remember the pixar or it was like dreamworks they yeah, did the DreamWorks. prince of egypt yeah yeah and then they did joseph which didn't yeah. get as much like yeah. it wasn't as good yeah but he was hot that. in that oh there you go so yeah he's totally smashable it to i would smash smash gotcha. pass on potiphar smash on joseph gotcha i can i can respect that yeah fuck mary kill the antichrist the devil and the angel in revelations that has like a thousand eyes and is a little ball with wings <laughs> kill it with fire that one <laughs> kill that one. scary as hell yeah, let's just kill that one um is that as someone who is well studied is that like in line with like biblical angels uh yeah it is like yeah, okay. that's that's yeah that's one of the descriptions <laughs> um and then okay so who were the other two options again oh uh the, the antichrist and the devil oh okay well <laughs> let's say uh I'll marry the devil 
and then I'll fuck myself, the Antichrist. Wow. Do you get that in your comments too? All the time. Yeah. It's I am hurtful. The Antichrist. Yeah. Okay. So you like it. <laughs> no, I just don't care anymore. It, it, it is hurtful, but I don't care anymore because it's yeah. like, it's like you're hitting me with a Nerf sword, you know, you're LARPing totally. and I'm just like, stop. Totally. Yeah. It's the ignorance that hurts me. Not necessarily the words. I agree. It's, yeah. it's the attitude of hatred that they have towards you. They want you to die. They want you to, you know, just get sick. They want God to punish you and all that stuff. But blanketed in like in, in a, in a facade of, I yeah. care for you. Someone right. commented on my video the other day saying it was, they were like praying the antichrist out of me. They were like antichrist spirit come out in Jesus's name. I saw that. And you did see that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I usually don't respond, but that one, for some reason, I was just like, okay, so you had to, so, okay, A, you you needed to pray for me. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Fine. But B, you put it in a TikTok comment, meaning that it wasn't for God to hear. It was for me to hear, like right. specifically for me to hear. Right. Knowing <sighs> you don't believe in prayer. So it's obviously just, you know. So it's just, you're just you're just flaming me. Like yeah. you're just roasting me right exactly. now. Exactly. <laughs> they're just, they're just picking on you. Literally. Yeah. I, I agree. Like it, it, trust me, I still have moments and days where I have to step away from TikTok and YouTube comments for a couple of days. I literally just let Jackie go through them and I don't even look because. Yeah. Do you read it, all of them? Um, not as much as I used to, but I, I used, I, I do try and read as, as many as I can, but when I have videos yeah. that go viral and stuff, I don't, I don't read those comments. There's too many. I like to say that I'm the Chris Jenner of the deconstruction community. <laughs> okay. Don't you feel like that's pretty accurate? Yeah, that makes sense. Why would I'm you call yourself the Chris Jenner of deconstruction? For the same reason I would call you the Kylie Jenner. I'll take it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs>
so when when so was there ever a point where you and Jackie were in the church together, like traditional church going Christians? For for a couple of years, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So sorry if I missed that. No, it's okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so I was very again, I was extremely right wing, very conservative, um, and honestly, this stuff is like the deconstruction of my my fatherhood and my husbandry and my politics is still very fresh. Like it's still over the last year, I've changed a lot. So two years ago, my kids would have told you that, you know, when it came to sort of like being dogmatic about what the Bible says in terms of its laws and statutes and stuff that I was like unmovable on those things. Wow. And I was very, you know, very much a disciplinarian when kids were disrespectful. I mean, I reacted the same way that, that you would expect most conservative parents would trying to force your kids to sort of obey and submit rather than rather than having more of an approach of educating and then allowing them to make their own decisions and having some freedom so yeah it's changed so much like my kids will tell you now that i mean my my daughter she's you know i'm not gonna tell you which one but yeah while we're live but she's bi and she came out open Mm. to me by a year ago with a ton of love and support. We're like, we're, we love that about her. We don't, it doesn't mean anything to me now. It literally doesn't mean anything to me. But Two did she ag- come out at a time when you were still in it? Mm, no. Okay. okay. So yeah. And I'm, I'm so, see like now it's like, it, it, it like really, I feel like such a huge sigh of relief. Like this, it really warms my heart that I didn't like, what if she, what if I was still hyper dogmatic and super religious and all this, then I don't, and either a, she would have never told me or mm. B, um, if she did, I don't know what I would have done. I would have, I mean, I would have been like, look, you're, you're confused and you're in sin and you need help when you need right. counseling. And now it's not like that at all. I mean, it's the complete opposite of that. I'm like, yeah, you do you girl. You know, I don't give a crap. Totally. Listen, you know, it's. So when you were kind of tiptoeing <clears throat> out of that space, did you loop your children in or was it something that you had to figure out and then communicate with them? And how did they handle that? Good question. So Jackie and I were always, we're always together, uh, like day by day by day. Like, so mm-hmm. if, if I had a revelation or, or something I learned, or uh, when I say revelation, I mean, I mean a revelation about myself or about sure. what I believe or about, you know, how I've been acting or something. She was always right there with me. So we were always together. We were always changing and evolving together. Mm-hmm. But once we realized that we're done with this stuff, we kind of left the kids out of it until we were like, sure. You know, totally. <clears throat> once the, once we were sure and we had a conclusion that, look, this whole thing's fiction and we have a lot of like healing and deconstruction work to do. Mm-hmm. We told our kids immediately and they reacted so well. I mean, <clears throat> really? Yeah, they loved it. They thought it was great. I can't I mean, it's it's it, so that, they weren't indoctrinated to the point where they were like, oh, no, mom and dad are like going to the bad place. No, no. They okay. just trust me so, so, so much. Like the only yeah. reason we were making the decisions we made in the first place was because they trusted me. It's been fun because they, they're so smart. I wish parents would trust their kids a little more with, with a little bit more adult yeah. knowledge. I, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I talk to a lot of people who, I, I feel like this is a very common struggle. Like you, you as a parent are kind of realizing, okay, maybe I've been lied to about certain things. Maybe it's time to sort of tiptoe out of the 
indoctrinated culture that I've been a part of, but they brought their kids with them along that journey. And when they do deconstruct, they're just not sure how to admit to them that mm -hmm. they were wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to, I mean, I don't have kids, so obviously I, this is a <clears throat> hypothetical situation, but I just honor you guys for looping them in and trusting them to be able to handle the fact that, okay, mom and dad, we were wrong about this thing. Um, you yeah. know, I'm glad you said that trust, because that has been the number one question I get about this topic is aren't my kids going to not trust me ever again when I tell them this? And I'm like, no, yeah. the exact opposite will happen. The exact yeah. opposite. They will see a mom and a dad who are not being hypocritical. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like parents who are willing to admit that they made mistakes and are wrong, earn a ton of respect from their kids. And you're modeling that for your children too. You are modeling the fact that, okay, we're not the same people that we are 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. life is constantly ebbing and flowing, evolving and changing, and that's okay. And so you're mm -hmm. modeling to them that you don't have to have this strict dogmatic approach for 30 years. Mm -hmm. You can you can let yourself grow into more authentic versions of yourself. Mm -hmm. I think that's so beautiful. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate that. So to wrap up, I was wondering if you could maybe just sort of encapsulate some of your best advice for someone who might be going through this right now and really struggling with it, um, mm -hmm. the deconstruction process, the dissonance, things mm -hmm. like that. And then after that, just tell us where we can support you. Sure. Yeah. So I think the, the, the quote that there's nothing to fear except fear itself is probably like the biggest thing I'd, I'd want to mm. say to most Christians who are at the place now where they're at least interested in understanding the alternatives perspectives. And I'd have to start by saying, I don't believe you can, or anyone can say that they've made an educated decision and that they've made a fair and honest, truly honest decision about what they believe, unless they have looked at the, the, the contrary and contradicting evidence against what they believe, unless they've heard the other opinions and seen the other side. Now, if they have done that and they're completely 100% convinced that they want to do what they're doing now um, and they can't, you know, for whatever reason, they haven't changed their mind, that's, that's fine. I don't care. You know, it doesn't mean anything to me. But I've just noticed that many people are so hard pressed and convinced and dogmatic, and they literally have no idea um, that some of the things that they believe are just so silly if they just truly understood the history of it and where it came from and things like that. What um, if they've decided that they don't believe and now they're struggling with how to reconcile their life? Yeah. So if they've decided they don't believe and they really just are lo left without a compass, and uh, an identity. And I think that's really big for people is mm -hmm. just figuring out who they are, what their purpose is, and the, what is morality and things like that. Real mm. basic stuff. Uh, I know it sounds crazy to us who have already deconstructed, but I'm sure you can remember thinking back, like thinking that without Jesus and the Bible, then the whole world would just be like a dark pit of hell, you know? Yes. Yes. And um, so I, uh, I, I actually have a playlist on my YouTube channel, Bullet Holes in the Bible called Recovering from Religion. And I have a series of videos there where I address identity and morality specifically for people who are starting to ask those type of questions. Yeah. Check, check that out on his YouTube. Um, you, you explain things so well, um, Thank for you. how intelligent you are, you really break it down in a way that's very palatable and easily digestible for people. So please Thank go you. check 
his YouTube, his TikTok at bullet holes in the Bible. And you're doing music stuff, right? Yeah, actually. So I was going to say earlier, the first thing I decided to do when I got out of Christianity was I wanted to start rapping. And I know that yes. sounds, it sounds whack. No. But... Well, okay. So I, I have to be honest, you, you posted about it and I was like, mm. hmm, interesting. And then I listened to it. And I was like, oh, damn. He's good. Oh, thank He's you. good. Like it's really good. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. yeah I want to keep writing and I'm not going to only write rap. I've, I've actually like last night I was writing a reggae, sort of a reggae type song. Oh, nice. But so that's yeah, under just, what name? Well, that's a Bustin Jest. It was my yeah. name, Justin Best swapped the J and the B. So Bustin yes. Jest. Yeah. Any other ways we can support you or the listeners can find you? Yeah. Uh, I have a website, bulletholesinthebible.com. I am at bullet holes in the Bible on TikTok, and I am bullet holes in the Bible on YouTube. And for now, that's the best way to support me. I'm, I'm just beginning a book. And when that's out, I'll let everybody know that'll, that'll be another way. It's after like, like 10 books. I have like so many books I need to write. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I'm such a huge fucking fan of yours. Thank you oh, so man. much for thank doing so this. Much. I'm yeah, a fan of yours too, Emily. I really, really am. I really appreciate oh, it. I was you. so like, pumped when I found out that you wanted to podcast with me. So, oh, it was a no brainer for me. So thank you so much. I think this is going to be so valuable to the listeners. Um, and thank you guys for listening. I love you guys. Um, you know, take care of yourselves and, um, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>